Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. So glad that you're joining us again this week. And I have a really cool guest for you. I'm going to let him introduce himself, but his name is Christian Rutherford. And Christian, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Hey, so I, uh, my name's Christian and (laughs) I live in Wilmington, North Carolina, same place where one of your previous guests lives and um, is actually how we got connected uh, with Cody Ollage um, and got to listen to his episodes and got introduced to your podcast in that way. But um, I am a youth pastor here at a local Methodist church. I attended Liberty University for my undergrad and my graduate work. Um, I've been working in church ministry for about 12 years now um, and just kind of continuing to do that process and go where God leads me in that way. Well, see, there's already interesting things that you're telling me. Yes, 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 this is going to be a story. (laughs) This is a story. So let's just get started with that. Tell us a little bit about for you just in the beginning, the Methodist Church and all that you guys are enduring right now. Sure. How are you dealing with that? And because I already know you're an advocate for the LGBTQIA plus community. So I'm interested to know how how did this evolve for you? You know, your journey of learning about homosexuality, what mm. you believed in the past and okay. and what's going on with the church now. Take us on a little journey about how you've gotten into this work and and how you had it all come together in your head. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I guess that's really like my entire life story, which okay. uh, I think is, it's almost like a, uh, I don't want to take credit for it like this way at all. It's almost like a coming out story like that you gave for yeah. like other people, but it's like with, for me, it's my, um, my understanding and my acceptance and mm-hmm. my affirmation of the LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus community. I grew up in a, um, a Methodist church um, and did that up until I was in ninth grade um, was very involved in the church and everything like that. Um, and then saw the ugly side of church and the mm. politics and everything like that. And my youth pastor was let go of, from our church and it was literally just church politics stuff, nothing mm. shady, nothing weird, just stupid stuff. And so then I walked away from church for a while and basically all through high school, I was your like normal party high school kid, uh, doing that thing. Um, and then when my senior year came around and you're getting all your college, uh, acceptance letters and things like that, um, I was getting the college rejection letters. Um, and it really didn't make any sense. Like I had the grades, the SAT scores, all that kind of stuff that I needed to, to get into the schools that I wanted to get into. Um, but this was really where God was kind of beginning to intervene in my life and begin kind of put pulling me and pushing me into my call because my mom was sitting on the couch with me. Uh, in January of my senior year and was, and I was in there like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And she was like, well, do you remember when you were uh, in middle school and you used to say you want to be a youth pastor? And I was like, yeah, but I'm disqualified from that now. <laughs> uh, that's not, 
that's not going to be a good uh, look for me anymore. Not going to be something I can do. Also, just really wasn't interested in it at that point either. But that's when kind of the nagging began to start. And mm. long story short, I end up uh, that fall uh, at dropping my bags off and showing up at Liberty University. Um, which, you know, is a notoriously conservative evangelical uh, institution and definitely not one uh, that is uh, very affirming uh, Mm -hmm. at all. Uh, So I did my undergrad there, got my undergrad in religion with a focus in youth ministry. And then I married my wife the month after I graduated in May. And then I started into my grad work um, and got my seminary degree from Liberty as well. And it's kind of there's where the story kind of starts to begin with uh, me becoming affirming. I've always been somebody who is truly a love everybody kind of person, but I would still, I still would have called homosexuality uh, a sin. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was saying, okay, it's a sin, but it's no different than the sin of divorce or the sin of, uh, pornography or the sin of idolatry or anything like it's all sin. Right. And that was kind of the thing that I held on to. But what started for me was I had a, I had an assignment where I had to read a book that was completely non-affirming to the LGBTQ community. And it was an assignment in one of my seminary classes to read it and then write a report on it. So I read the book, I wrote the report, and I took a more affirming stance. I still wasn't fully affirming at that time, but I definitely took a complete opposite stance of like what my professor would have expected me uh, to write. Uh, now, somehow, I guess by God's grace or maybe their own secret affirmation, I still got a uh, an A on the paper because they were like, it was really well written. I have some comments. Uh, I don't really agree with where you... Uh, where you land on this, but it's clear that you do understand like the exegesis of the scripture uh, and you pulled out and made some really, really good points. And um, so I was like, okay, cool. Um, But it really like still for me, I was still just kind of like hemming and hawing on the Mm -hmm. line Mm -hmm. of, I don't really want to say like, I'm still like, it's a sin. I'm still holding that, but they are, they deserve God's love and a grace just like the rest of us. So within this time period, I'm working for a couple different Baptist churches along the oh. way. Uh, yeah. Well, buddy, uh, you've been on the dark side for a while. Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, let's see. It was, gosh, what year was that? 2011 or 2012 is where I took my first uh, youth pastor position uh, at a small Baptist church out in the middle of nowhere, Virginia, <laughs> that literally had no stoplight in the entire county. Wow. All right. And I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, so okay. like that's a, <laughs> that was a big <laughs> switch for me. But, you know, through that, actually, that was where I met that first church is where I met my first trans student. Wow. And uh, he at the time uh, was asking me about, you know, he, he was like, I think I'm gay. And I look back and I just like cringe at like what mm. I would like went and told him and, and everything like that at that time. Um, I was like, you know, like you're deserving of God's love and everything like that, but it is a sin and like you should try to abstain from it and like it'll go away and all this kind of stuff. But uh, he has 
now transitioned and she is doing wonderful. And we actually have conversations now. And she actually looks back and goes, you know, I knew that you had the best intentions back then. Like I still actually felt loved by you. Like you didn't come across as like overly harsh. It did. I didn't really like your conclusion by any means, but I knew that you meant it from like a genuine place of love and not one of judgment and hate. But now, you know, we're on the, we're on the flip side of things and, um, you know, we're on, we're on to that. So fast forwarding a little bit, my wife and I moved to Wilmington, North Carolina in 2017. It's really when kind of my deconstruction, uh, process began, uh, where I was deconstructing some of the things that had been ingrained in me and taught to me and all this kind of stuff. Um, and these were things that I, like, I think in the back of my mind, I was always kind of wondering and questioning a little bit and, you know, not really a hundred percent sure on, um, but I felt like, no, I need to say these things, right? Like this is, I'm a, I'm working to be a pastor. This is what is expected of me and what I'm supposed to say. right? Right. 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 Um, but I was working, uh, originally in a Baptist church here in town and, it was just through that process, uh, working there and getting out of the the bubble that I was in in Lynchburg. You know, we are in this like Christian bubble. Everybody mm-hmm. kind of thinks the same, believes yep. the same. Like, there's really no challenging of that. And then when we moved here into town, a, a family member of ours that we had kind of lost contact with over the years, she was beginning her coming out story, and she had already kind of distanced herself from us because I'm the pastor of the family. And she went ahead and made her assumptions as to how I would feel about her. Mm -hmm. Um, But once we moved here where she was living, we reconnected with her. And about a month after us moving here, she actually moved into our home because she had a bad roommate situation. Uh, And so that was the first time that I was really challenged head on and had to look at somebody in their face and tell them like, Uh, you know, I don't, I really don't agree with your lifestyle. Like she was, you know, she was like, you know, you're a pastor. Like, what do you think about me? (laughs) You know? And I was like, well, um, I love you, but you know, and we all, we all love that, that line, right? The, I love you, but yes, I love this. I love the sin or not the sin. Yes. Yeah. See, exactly. You you understand the conversation there, right? Like that just writes all Christians off for, you know, we're good. As long as you can say that you love the sinner and you hate the sin, you're totally fine. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) um, But I had, I finally uh, was able to sit down and have those, those tough conversations that, you know, I'm the, I'm the white male pastor, you know, my, my privilege is seeping. Um, and so being able to actually sit down with somebody who was living it and going through it and then to come to find out that, you know, she had actually come out in high school, she had come out to her church and then she was kicked out of her church and her sitting there telling me like, you know, I spent so much time like praying that I could be straight and that like, I don't want to be like this. Um, and just like having her say those things to me with tears in her eyes. And I kind of started to go, okay, well, maybe it's not a choice. Uh, and this is what made me, you know, really dive into scripture, uh, because that's my training, you know, mm-hmm. at, you know, being at Liberty, I was taught, you know, go to the Bible you know, and, and rip it apart and figure out every little detail. Mm -hmm. And I will say, like, I mean, I was trained well, you know, uh, at Liberty on how to study scripture and go in and look at 
not just what's there in the black and white, which is what your mm-hmm. average Joe American Christian is doing is mm-hmm. looking at what they see in that Literal. English text mm-hmm. that has been, you know, translated already. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was taught to go back and look at the Greek and the Hebrew and to go back and look at the historical context, what was going on in history at that time. And, mm-hmm. and not only that, but even like looking at the cultural context, like what mm-hmm. was going on in the culture and the people of that day. And, it was at that time that I also decided to stop just listening and reading uh, very conservative people, you know, people mm-hmm. that fit my brand of Christianity. I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? There are people out there who believe some crazy things, and I'm going to start listening to them and reading them so I can understand why they believe these things because, you know, clearly the devil's got a hold of them and they're leading people astray, and I want to know mm-hmm. why. It was, it was through that. It was through really studying the scripture, beginning to listen to some different thoughts on the process, and then actually beginning to engage with the LGBTQ community because we would also go out on Friday nights, me and my wife and her, and we'd go downtown, and it we would always somehow end up at some point at the... Uh, at the gay club uh-huh. uh, and the midnight drag show. And then, so here's Christian, <laughs> the the youth pastor of the Baptist church in the middle of the drag show. And, you know, when you're out and you're socializing with people, uh, it always comes up. So what do you do for work? <laughs> and I'm, I'm not, I'm not hiding behind it. I'm like, Oh, I'm actually the youth pastor over at such and such church. And at this point, like, like you said, I was, a I, I love everybody and grace and, Jesus and all that is for everyone. And I really was never like a, you need to totally change your ways type of person, but I still kind of felt in my heart of hearts that I think a little bit of like, uh-huh. okay, that's probably necessary, but I don't have to have that challenging conversation because the Holy Spirit's going to come and do that uh-huh. for them. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but it was actually the Holy Spirit that was working in me uh-huh. and showing me what, uh, what this really look like and what this really mm-hmm. meant. And everything kind of started coming to a head for me <laughs> um right as 2019 turned into 2020. I think t- by January of 2020, I had in my mind made up my mind that yes, I am affirming. I wasn't ready to come out and say it yet uh mm-hmm. because I knew that that was going to be dangerous for me with my job. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I needed that check unfortunately for my mm-hmm. family to continue to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Um but I began to have conversations with those closest around me about it. Um and finding other people uh who also shared that that ideology. And then you know COVID happened and that was a fun time for the world. Oh yeah. Um and then uh, the events uh, around George, George Floyd happened, and the Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. Those all the mm-hmm. the riots and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was during that time period that I started. I was like, you know what? I'm not ready to post outwardly on my social media platforms about being uh, gay affirming, but I can I, I can definitely stand up for racism and that be safe, <laughs> right? That's right. <laughs> so I thought. Um, baby steps baby yeah, baby steps because <laughs> i feel like we should be at that point in american history where we're okay you know with understanding that but as we all know we're we're not. we're not but yeah so i started you know sharing some things about just not being racist i'm not taking any type of political side here you know i have to be the pastor and be very careful about playing politics 
Um, although, you know, not all of those, all of the pastors in the world are very good at that. They That's are correct. very clear on their, their politics, but mm-hmm. I always, I try to steer clear of politics because I, I really try to reach people on all sides of the spectrum. You know, mm-hmm. we're all different. We all have different beliefs and, yeah. and how we handle things. But yep. if we can get back to that basis of just believing in the main thing and mm-hmm. focusing on this guy, Jesus, yes. Yes. uh, no matter where we are on that spectrum, yep. I think that that's the direction we need to start first. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's always been my goal, but I was posting on my Facebook and stuff, some things about, you know, like, Hey, let's not be racist. And then in fact, I never even said black lives matter because I knew that that had like a political uh-huh. tie to it for some people. But then I shared an article from the president of the Southern Baptist convention where he said, Southern Baptists should be saying black lives matter because of our negative history with the with the black community if you know anything about how the southern baptist church was started you know and our history and their history with the black community um then that was a huge thing so i shared that and i was like i love seeing this and then i saw something else where um i believe it was uh, the southern baptist convention in I am blanking on the state. It's Alabama or Louisiana one that still has the Confederate flag in their state flag. Mm, mm. And the Southern Baptist churches in that area were actually advocating for the removal of that. And so I shared that. uh, And I was like, this is super cool. And then I shared a little story that really, like all of that irked some people in my congregation. And I was like, oh, so you guys are racist. It's cool. Uh, <laughs> um, but they like went and told on me to the pastor and were like, hey, Christian's like obviously this like terrible liberal who's coming in and like trying to ruin our church and ruin our children. Mm. Um, so we need to get rid of him. But it was when I, I posted this one thing that said um, American Christians suffer from Disney princess theology. They like they like to see themselves as Israel and not Egypt. They like to see themselves as Jesus and not the Pharisees and Rome. You know, they 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 don't they like to be the the good person, but they need to admit the times where they've been Egypt, where they've mm-hmm. been the they have the mm-hmm. where the American church has been the oppressor, mm-hmm. and that really ticked some people off. And that's what got called got me called into my senior pastor's office, <laughs> and they were you know it was him and a couple deacons, and I knew how that conversation was going. I knew this was probably going to be uh, the end of my job, uh, but they started off focusing on the race side of things, and I um, I convinced them. I, I got them to a point. I was like, look, I'm not taking a political stance here. I'm just saying you shouldn't be racist. We can all agree that that's not biblical, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I like basically got everybody in the room convinced like, okay, hey, you know, Christian's not, Christian's good. She's not doing anything sketchy here. And then the senior pastor was like, but, and that family member of ours um, who was a lesbian who was still living with us. And he was like, um, well, you have had this person living with you and that has been a problem. And I was like, wow, way to wait three years uh, to bring that up. I mean, I've brought this person to church. Gosh. They've been involved in our church and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, well, it hasn't been a problem, but now she's dating somebody and you've allowed that person she's dating to come to the house and spend the night. And I'm like, yeah, she's a roommate on the lease. It's her house as much as it is mine, you know, whole thing. But they were like, you know, basically I'm negative, negatively influencing our students uh, because by me allowing her and her girlfriend to be at my house, I am showing that I'm affirming. Um, and then that was kind of when I was like, okay, you know what? I am. And I think it's okay. 
And of course, that is what cost me my job. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was right in the middle of the summer of 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, when nobody's hiring. Mm. And I'm just going, what in the world am I going to do? But the church that I'm currently working at is a Methodist church, and it's two streets down from my house. And the crazy thing was, is how God just kind of aligned all of this up. Three weeks prior to me getting let go of my previous church, um, one of my neighbors walked up the road and she asked me, she said, hey, do you know of anybody who does youth ministry who's looking for a job? Because my church is looking for a new youth pastor. And at the time, I didn't know anybody. And I certainly didn't think I was going to be the one looking for the job. (laughs) But two days after I had gotten let go, I was on the phone with my old youth pastor from that Methodist church who got fired that I told you about at the Mm -hmm. beginning. And I just like had this recollection recollection that's the word yeah mm-hmm. um that i had had this conversation three weeks earlier with this lady down the road and i was like hey man i just remembered this and he was like okay so quick pause um when you apply for this job which i think you should because i think you would fit in the methodist church a lot better you need to uh, put on your cover letter that you are not as conservative as your previous work and uh education history might let on and i was like Okay. And then he wrote me this wonderful letter of recommendation. And then literally the next day I was on the phone with the senior pastor of this church and 27 days went by where I was without a job in the middle of the pandemic and all, and I didn't even miss a paycheck, which was just God just working throughout that entire Mm. thing. Mm. And it just began to affirm for me, my affirmation of you know the lgbtq community because i mean if i'm honest like even in the midst of like finally have like saying that out loud you know and wondering about my employment and stuff like that i began to go oh my gosh i'm not ever going to be able to find a church that's going to hire me again mm-hmm. maybe maybe i'm wrong mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe um i'm listening to the world mm-hmm. uh or or, mm-hmm. or something like that mm-hmm. but um it's just been so clear every step of uh, my path in ministry, even through all of the ups and downs and the falls and everything like that, Mm -hmm. uh, that God's just stepped along the way Mm -hmm. um, and shown me and and led me and guided me. And so my friends who are very conservative on this issue, uh, they hate it and it makes their skin crawl when I say this, but I confidently say that the Holy Spirit is who led me to be an affirming Mm -hmm. pastor Mm -hmm. because I fought for a while to be one. Like mm-hmm. I was like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to do that because I know what that means. You know, I mm-hmm. could, I could have a lot more success <laughs> in not being affirming, uh, in the American church, you know, and th- that really wasn't even totally what it was about maybe a little bit, but like, it was just that fear of not being accepted of course. Uh, by other Christians. Of um, course. and so, you know, I, uh, I certainly have no idea what it's like to be an LGBTQ person and go through that type of oppression and things like that. But I can sympathize with that like fear Uh of like coming out and Uh admitting Uh who you are and what you believe. Right. And so that's been kind of the, the gist of like the, I I know that was a lot, but kind of the short version I will (laughs) uh, of that. Uh, because I could get all into the scripture aspects and and all of that of like, you know, where God has led me and, and yeah. shown me and all that kind of stuff. Well, I do have a question going back yeah. a little bit when you were talking about that it was time for you to dig into the scriptures and look at the yes. Greek and the So here's my big question about that. Not not just you, but sure. I went I got a BA in in 
I, I'm supposed to have a BA in theology, but I learned from my spiritual director that really it was a BA in bad doctrine. So, <laughs> so it's not really like I can use it. But anyway, um, it's fine. There's a there's a purpose in everything. But in my college growing up, I remember that we took courses on defending the mm-hmm. faith. But basically, mm-hmm. she's right. I was defend how to defend this doctrine. We've yes. all read this literally, and we believe it as it's written, and it's inspired by God. So mm-hmm. I don't know if the pastors, because I didn't get to be the pa- in the pastor side because I was a woman, um, right? And we can't do such a thing back then. So I don't know if they studied exegesis i don't know if they Mm -hmm. they learned all of these tricks about greek and hebrew i knew Mm -hmm. some of the kids did take greek but if that's available and liberty university taught you Mm -hmm. so well how to do it why didn't they figure this out is it because they just weren't looking for the another answer Mm -hmm. other than you're going to hell Mm -hmm. because if Mm -hmm. you had if they had that skill why are the churches continuing to just spit out and swallow the same doctrine without really taking a deep look why do you think that is? Because I th- uh, I think a lot of I mean you go it's not even just our modern church you go back into mm-hmm. um looking at what uh, like I'm doing a study through Acts right now with our uh, senior adults uh, at our church and so we were actually talking about this this morning of where like the 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 chief high priests uh were trying to like stop the movement of the gospel and saying like hey don't invoke the name of Jesus and things like that and and uh, and the reason was, is they were afraid of losing their power and their control. Ah, and I think mm-hmm. that that is the same thing that we're facing today. I, I am, I am set to believe that a, a lot of those who are actually well educated out there, that even you know that that many of them probably don't even believe half the things that they're saying. Uh huh. But they make money doing it. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, the church in America makes money doing certain things not not you know not in every case you know Mm -hmm. um there you know and and money's necessary to do to do ministry and to Mm -hmm. to reach Mm -hmm. people and do all that type of stuff so it's it's not necessarily a bad thing but there are definitely those out there who who abuse it um Mm -hmm. and then there's just that whole thing of just you know not it's the tradition Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like this is how it's been and this is what we believe and we just hold to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I wasn't taught at Liberty that, you know, homosexuality was okay. I was taught the opposite, you know, mm-hmm. and I was given an argument as to why uh, it says homosexual right there in, you know, in like 1 Corinthians 6 9 or something like that. Um, and it took my own, like, you know, studying, not, not just me, myself. Well, I mean, yes, on my own, but also listening to uh, other scholars and things like that as well, who have Mm -hmm. dissected these passages and, Mm -hmm. and looked into these things and, you know, getting out of my bubble. And that's the thing is I think we all kind of get in our little bubbles we get in our little, you know, our little pockets of what we believe. Mm -hmm. We never want to waver outside of those because we're comfortable right here. You know, and getting outside of that is uncomfortable, and we don't want to be uncomfortable. We invented air conditioning for a reason. <laughs> yeah, and my other thought about that, I agree with you that we're not getting out of our bubble because it's comfortable and and growing is hard, but it's right. also fear of aligning with the center. So once you're yeah. in that bubble and you think, oh, so if they're sinning and I'm staying in this bubble because it's comfortable and it's tradition, if I get Mm. out of that bubble and I go ahead and agree with something, if I'm sinning with them, 
mm. then I can go to the lake of fire. <laughs> mm, and, the, yes. I think, and I think that's part of why nobody just questions. They're so afraid to leave a doctrine that they grew up in because mm. when you're taught that as a child, it's, it's so immersed in you. And that's those developmental ages where you yeah. believe it. And it's hard to break through those developmental lessons because yeah. they're powerful. Yeah. No, I think a lot of like my initial thoughts on the LGBTQ community came a lot from, you know, just the stigma of like culture, you know, <laughs> like, you know, when I was a kid, you you know, being called gay was an insult, you right. know, and yeah. Um, and so it was like this taboo thing that you didn't want to be. And mm -hmm. so then when I like went to a conservative college that was kind of saying like, yeah, no, that is a sin. I was like, okay, well, I mean, that makes sense because, you know, we've always thought it was weird and called, right. you know, you know, and uses an insult and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, but yeah, no, I think that you're, you're definitely correct on that. It is a fear thing as well. Mm -hmm. Um, cause that was part of, that was part of my journey as well as being afraid to, really come out and say it and and know, you know, what that meant. And mm -hmm. it's been a journey since then. I mean, it was 2020 uh, when I really kind of, you know, started doing it and I was like, you know what, I'm going to be an advocate. And um, I've lost a lot of friends because of it. I had started, um, I had started a church with a group of friends and we had started it with this idea of it being truly non-denominational and the fact that like a lot of us came from a bunch of different types of denominations uh and we invited different people to speak every week and it was this really beautiful thing for like the first year and a half mm -hmm. where we just focused on the gospel we all understood that we all had some different little beliefs here and there uh they knew that i was affirming from the beginning and you know they didn't agree uh, most of them didn't agree with me but they were like that's not what we're here for excuse me mm -hmm. we're here for the mm -hmm. gospel mm -hmm. and it was it was awesome but ultimately they pushed me out oh. because of being affirming mm. uh and that happened just about a year ago uh to the mm. date uh it was last august that that happened and you know and so i i've, I've seen you know what that means and i've lost like i said i've lost friendships over it mm. uh people who i had considered you know to be some of my best friends mm. and you know they just could not get over the fact that this is what i believed and especially since i'm a pastor they you know i've been i've been called a heretic i've been told <laughs> you know and i and now i just kind of wear that badge proudly like you yep, have just your local heretic <laughs> over here um you know i've been i've been called a false teacher oh wow um you know i've been told that i'm leading people astray and mm. that i'm actually causing more damage to the lgbtq community because i'm affirming their sinful ways and actually assisting them on their way to hell instead of you know guiding them out of it like i should be like a good pastor would mm -hmm. um and you know as hard as it has been to hear that from time to time now it's just kind of funny to me because i'm just mm -hmm. like ah you know i feel like if that were true um, the Holy Spirit would be really racking me in a whole different way, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and that God wouldn't have been aligning these things to kind of affirm this path in me as well. Um, because I've seen where God has put, you know, you don't ever see the neon signs like when they're happening, right. right. That God leaves for us. But usually we can look back and go, Oh, oh. God was like, there was like a neon sign right there <laughs> that said, Hey, you know, that's what I see throughout, throughout my journey is these neon signs that God's used to point me and say, yeah, this, this right here, this is where mm -hmm. you're supposed to be mm -hmm. and you're doing it. And, you know, I've, I've told, I still have 
most of my friends who are still very conservative on this issue uh, have have cut me out. I have a few mm. who will still talk to me here and there. Mm. And it's because I'm like, look, guys, like I'm willing to be wrong. I told them this a hundred times. I'm okay with being wrong. I was wrong before when I wasn't affirming. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I am affirming, if me being affirming is wrong, then I think God will get a hold of me mm. and and show me that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, look, you can use as much scripture as you want on me. You can use all of this stuff. And I said, but I'm going to look at it in the whole context. I'm not going to just read this one little snippet that you send me. And I said, so if you're going to send me a Bible verse, make sure you know what that Bible verse says. Because <laughs> I'm coming and, back at you. Because <laughs> then I'm going to write you a thesis and a whole like a whole dissertation is going to come back to you. That, and that's just been part of the journey. I love but that. It's been good. Yeah. And I can tell you that from my perspective that, you know, I, I always wanted the burning bush. You know, just light mm. up my path, please. Just mm-hmm. show me. I'll get on it. I promise. I'll get on it. I'll stay on it. But light up my path. But you're right. As I've looked back, all of the things that I did that I always thought was a knee-jerk reaction to something. Yeah. And I never really prayed anyway. I mean, it was always me taking care of me because I didn't trust mm-hmm. the God that I didn't understand and the God that I don't know whose parents are. And <laughs> right. Lots of complications. But but I did. There were so many clear signs when you're out of it. Yeah, that you didn't see at the time, Correct. and and I think part of that is you know also, you know, just trying to trust the people who you thought were wiser than you, and that they knew better, mm-hmm. and that they taught you a certain way, and and you want to to be able to trust those people. So friends left, and and friends have deserted you. What about your immediate family, your parents, your I mean. Are, are oh, they yeah. still in relationship with you? Yeah, no. Like, uh, the the funny thing is, is like, um, you know, my wife, she's been a big, a big supporter, and she's been part of that story as well. She's always kind of been that little devil's mm-hmm. advocate on my shoulder and like <laughs> testing me, and and she was, she's been the one to like ask me like really tough questions and like mm-hmm. make me like answer them. She's like, no, you have to answer it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to be a pastor, you have to answer this and mm-hmm. you need to say what you what you believe. And if you don't know, you need to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, Good for and her. so, yeah, yeah, no, she's she's a tough little cookie. Um, <laughs> and so, no, she's she's probably been affirming her whole life, <laughs> you know, and and uh, but no. And um, no, my parents um, both are, are you know, they they love what I do and they're they're accepting of that. My grandparents are as well, um, at least one set, one set. I don't really talk to as much. And I don't think they would agree, but, you know, that that's that. But no, I mean, my family, my church community, you know, now at least mm-hmm. uh, have, have have, you know, surrounded me. Um, you know, I was doing that church. Uh, it was a, it, that church on the beach that I'd started with my friends. It, I was doing that at the same time that I was still working at, at my current church. Uh, that oh. meant like really early in the morning. It was geared towards surfers and stuff. And oh, cool. We we had like two hundred people a Sunday on the beach. Wow. It was insane. Yeah, it was wow. crazy. And when I got removed from that, it it was my church. Com- you know, my church community here uh, that surrounded me and just supported me and was like, no, like you you've done the right thing. Like we know this hurts and that it sucks that, that cause you mm-hmm. worked so hard at mm-hmm. that and did a lot for that to make it what it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you've, you've been doing the right thing along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I've, I've had a lot of support. Yes. I've lost friends and stuff along mm-hmm. the way, but, um, you know, as my wife so lovingly reminds me, they weren't my friends anyway, if they're going to, mm-hmm. you know, if we're going to, if our friendship is going to end over something like that. 
Well, and the growth of our own being too, like when you grow from not being affirming and not understanding, you know, the whole context of things, and then you move into this other direction, it's like those people are in our lives during the time that we had to have them. And as we yeah. grow apart, it's because we're not needing each other in the same way that we did then. And you've expanded, right. you've expanded your vision, you've expanded your mind. I do worry about the people on the beach who who need your mm. affirming status because now, mm-hmm. I, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that holds on um, without yeah. that kind of energy that you brought to it. Even if you didn't boldly say you were affirming, mm-hmm. your energy was already in that presence. And I'm sure the mm-hmm. way you said certain things Anybody who was in that audience that needed that mm-hmm. got it from you energetically or also yeah. because of th- the way you you phrased things. But um, I'm, I'm wondering now about the church that you're with. So that you are in mm-hmm. a church, the Methodist church, that is yes. choosing to be affirming. Yes. Yeah. No, we Excellent. are actually, um, as far as I know, uh, the first... United Methodist Church on the eastern side of North Carolina, at least maybe the whole state, to go ahead and make an affirming statement. Okay. Um, where you know general conference is not till 2024, where they're looking to actually change the book of discipline. But we uh, had a group of people who were really trying to push us to go ahead and like disaffiliate and all that kind of stuff. And so our um, staff and our church council and really the majority of our church just said, no, 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 no. We're going to go ahead and just put it out there that we are an affirming congregation. And so it was cool to be kind of part of that process when I was coming mm-hmm. in because of all the other things that I've been through with my other churches and yeah. things like that. They were kind of like trying to like shield me from the drama. And I was like, no, like I'm ready. Like, let's fight. Like, let's go. You know. And uh, it was cool to be a part of of that process and actually getting to, mm-hmm. to sign my name on the like, yes, we are. You know, because we did, we did this whole thing, like a whole letter signature of our staff uh-huh. and our uh, church council saying that we are committing to be an affirming congregation. Um, you know, and there's been a little bit of fallout from that here and there, but you know, we're we're growing and doing well, and uh, it's been really cool for me because a majority of our students are queer in some type of way. So for me to kind of stand up and and be a voice for them, yeah, um, and and to kind of just be able to say like, yes, like you actually are affirmed and loved here, and I can hang a a pride flag in the youth room and it nice. not get ripped down by somebody, and to let these you know students know that like, yes, you're loved, you're accepted, you're valued here and we mean it uh mm. has been a has been a big part of that and i know the united methodist church as a whole is still kind of going through the mm-hmm. growing pains mm-hmm. of of this process mm-hmm. um but where we're kind of more on the back end of that mm-hmm. uh it's a it's a beautiful thing yeah it is beautiful so one of the things and you and i've talked about this just a just a teeny tiny bit when we first started to meet that at some point i want to have a panel with yeah. you on it and some other folks um and and what i'm trying to figure out from not just my perspective but from all of the community's perspective is how do we then get the people who have been disenfranchised, who've been mm. kicked out of churches, who have been wounded as I was. And I'm I'm yeah. so grateful that I came through those dark nights and I came through all of that self-homophobia. Mm. And I was, you know, I I was my worst enemy in trying to yeah. get through this journey. But there are so many people out there 
who have walked away, who, when they went through the deconstruction, they threw it all out with the bathwater and they become Mm -hmm. angry and -hmm. they become disenfranchised. And I don't judge them for that. I know they're wounded and I get Mm -hmm. it. And I'm sad that they still thought they had to make that choice. Right. So what would you say to someone who is, and you probably have this conversation multiple times, but what is your go-to thing that you say Mm -hmm. to folks when, when they're saying, I don't need church. I don't want church. I'm done with church. How Mm -hmm. do we start to, to not be the preachy, you got to come and do this to be saved. I mean, you know, because that's not helpful. Yeah. You know, it, we yeah. can't draw a line there because I have no clue um, about mm-hmm. somebody's heart. And I don't right. think we have to be in a church building on a Sunday to Correct. receive God's love or to receive right. salvation. However, I do know now that I've come back that mm-hmm. being with a body of believers that yes. I can grow with is helping me grow quicker. And I'm finding the answers that I'm looking for easier because I have people to talk with and grow with. So yeah, what's your thoughts about how how we can start to open those lines up and bring people mm. back into the awareness that they don't have to choose and throw it all out? Yeah, I, that's a that's a fantastic question. Thank you and so much. That, we don't have an answer yet, yes. do we? <laughs> no, well, well, no, it's one I've been wrestling with for a, mm-hmm. for a long time, and I think I have a, a somewhat of an answer to. Okay. And it's honestly like where my heart is. Like my heart is to reach people who have been burned out, turned mm-hmm. off, kicked out, don't mm-hmm. want anything to do with it anymore. Um, because I get it. Because I mean, as somebody who has served as a pastor for the past 12 years, there's so many times where I have been burned out and just want to just quit and give it up, but I'm still here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the the reason that I'm still here and still in it is because I have found that value in community. And like when you find Mm -hmm. that community, um, it's so important uh, because life is really hard, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I think, unfortunately, uh, the religious side of Christianity has played into that and continued mm-hmm. to make life hard and miserable yes. for some people. Mm-hmm. But when you actually truly find the freedom of Christ, you know, Galatians 5.1 says, for the sake of freedom, Christ has set us free, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and that's this, this freedom that we can only get through the gospel. And, and part of that is... Um, is having that, having that community as when I was, I was talking to, uh, I preached the other day at our church and we, we were talking about wrestling with God, but I took it more of like this idea of like, you're actually wrestling with, as in alongside of God, God's like right there with you. Right. But I said, part of that is like, as we're going through these hurts and these traumas and these hardships, like we're all going through it. Uh, but genuine church community is coming together, uh, and we're admitting our faults and our failures, or our mistakes, uh, but we're also admitting like our hurts and our hardships, mm-hmm. and we're 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 being open and vulnerable with one another because life is difficult, and we we need a community to help us get it through get us through that because we weren't meant to do it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not how we were designed by any means was to do this thing alone. Our culture has instead, you know told us that you need that we need to do it alone that we need to buck up bootstrap up and do it right mm-hmm. but we need to but that's not what we're that's not really what we're called to do that's when we go back and even look in the book of acts and like how the church was designed mm-hmm. you know it was this idea of community and mm-hmm. sharing things together and you know when somebody's in need 
if you've got a surplus giving to that or selling something to so that you can give to that or whatever and taking care of one another. And so that's my hope mm-hmm. as the, the church is obviously as a whole making this really big shift right now. Um, it's almost like we're in a, some type of reformation, maybe in like 50 years, we'll look back and go like right around the 2020s, there was this like reformation that took place, you know? Um, but I, but I see this shift that's taking mm-hmm. place, you know, um, my generation and the generation below me, like they're not uninterested in Jesus. Mm-hmm. They're not uninterested. Um, they're uninterested in church, like the institution, but they're not un- uninterested in church. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it, what, what people are hungry for and looking for is that authentic Jesus, that mm-hmm. authentic church. Um, and I think that just starts by having authentic people. Um, mm-hmm. who are vulnerable, who are willing to sit mm-hmm. here and go, you know, Hey, um, I used to believe this, but I was wrong, <laughs> you know, and now I'm here, you know, yeah. or, Hey, I really, you know, just being able to admit that I'm screwed up because I think, um, I know growing up, um, I had this like high revere for like our pastors. I thought that they were like these perfect people <laughs> who were like super connected to God. Right. And now I'm like, <laughs> I'm one of them. And I'm like, ah, you liars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not perfect. Uh, How did that not happen? No. Yeah. Right. Right. No, no, no. But part of like what I do is, is I try to be as authentic and as vulnerable as possible. And I, I tell my students, I tell my my congregation, I tell everybody like, you know, this is who I am. This is what I'm feeling. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm struggling with. And, and, you know, and, and I open up and talk about that with everybody because I hope that they will take that vulnerability and be able to have it in themselves. Mm-hmm. Because I think when we actually begin to do that, that's when we really begin to create that community. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really what we need to do to attract people back mm-hmm. is just be authentic, mm-hmm. be vulnerable um, and, and be willing to be that community that takes that that fun little phrase that we like to say, and it's like on every church tagline, that idea of loving God and loving people, mm-hmm. but taking that and actually like really meaning it and really mm-hmm. applying it. Mm-hmm. I think when we do those types of things, we'll see people come back. Mm, I love that answer. I love that. And I think it was it was healing for me to have Father Joe say, Mid, you don't have to give up anything you're doing that works for you right now, you know, because mm-hmm. I wasn't using the word God. I yeah. used creator of all that is the uh-huh. reason I called this podcast gay with God is because I couldn't say the word God without feeling that disconnect and that judgment. Yeah. And it just, I couldn't do it. And plus I, I really couldn't stand the God of the old Testament because I didn't understand the old Testament. All right. I saw was a vengeful, very horrible God that just like at a whim, yeah, go ahead, kill them, take them all. Yeah. And I didn't have the context that I needed to look at where, you know, who are y'all talking to and why would you say that to them? And Uh there's a reason for all of that. You know, I think being able to connect with a person that says, if if this is working for you, don't stop it. Just keep yeah. leaning in and see what else you can learn. And right. and that was very affirming for me to know that he didn't mm-hmm. expect me to just go back and put on that what I call my Jesus facade. I can put it on. Uh-huh. And I oh, I got yeah. I had the he's coming button. I took the Bible to school. I was all I was all Christianized. <laughs> I was you were so at the righteous. you were at see you at the pole. Like <laughs> yeah. all that good stuff, right? Yeah. But but Love then that. when I was able to finally and he also said, You don't have to you don't have to give up anything you're doing that's working for you. And he said, you know, don't be afraid 
to keep some of the things you learned because everything you learned, even though you can't use it all right now and you might redefine it and rethink it, you don't have to throw it out. Right. It was there for a purpose. It mm -hmm. served its purpose. So it's not that you, that it's wrong. It may just not be right enough <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that was, that was affirming because I didn't like the idea of becoming bitter on the other end, you know, right. I don't want to hate the Bible and I don't want to hate God. How can I yeah. then continue in my faith if I'm doing that? And I think there's a place for both. I can disagree with passages in the Bible that even under scrutiny, we can't explain. Right. And, and there's never going to be pretty, but we just have to trust that there's a reason for why that was written for that time. And Correct. somebody was, it was for somebody else, but not us right. and move past it, get it, yeah. read it. Don't be afraid of it. Cause it can't hurt you, but you know, there's more to know and there's more to learn. And it is all grounded in love. Yes. That's where it has yeah. to start. That's and I like your it... word, authentic love. Yes. Yep. No, yep. just being, being authentic with it. That's it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, because I think that, you know, we, we take that word love and, you know, we've been preaching this in church for years of like, mm -hmm. you know, we can love French fries and we can love our wife and you know, we, we can love, you know, whatever. And we're always looking to try to define that love. And, you know, I actually, um, experienced somebody who was like, you know, I'm God calls me to love everyone, but I don't have to like everyone. And I'm like, Mm. Mm. there's the problem <laughs> um you know and that's but no we're we're called to love um and we're called to love unconditionally in the same way that god unconditionally loves us mm -hmm. and so that idea of loving god and loving people is actually really hard it is you know uh because yeah. there are some people out there that are just yeah i'm not good at it hard to love yeah no i'm, <laughs> I'm not, not good, good at, at it yet <laughs> yeah no um and I have to remind myself of that often, you know, especially like when I'm having uh, conversations with people who like borderline hate me for my views. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I I sympathize with them often because I was like, I, well, I was there. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and so I, I or I or I'll see like a little piece of me in what they're saying mm -hmm. and I'll just be like, you know, I, I'm giving them grace mm -hmm. um, and I'll I'll go ahead and let them call me whatever name they want. Uh, because maybe something that I say will stick, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they won't admit to it right now. Maybe they'll never admit it to mm -hmm. me, but maybe something that I say will stick and I'll plant that little seed mm -hmm. and they'll begin to, you know, have a little bit of a deconstruction journey of their own. Mm -hmm. Well, you never know. Well, and mm -hmm. I think, you know, you, you started this by saying that you may not be able to align with the, with the LGBT community, but our paths are very eerily similar yeah. in that you may not be gay, but you right. have been disenfranchised. You've been kicked mm -hmm. out of church. You have been maligned. You've been name called. Yeah. You, you may be safe to walk down the road with your wife and holding her hand where we uh -huh. may not be able to. So there's, but right. there doesn't mean that you won't get threats uh, because mm -hmm. you are aligning with the, supposed sinners. So right. I think allies also have a really tough journey. And I, and I said in one of my pride um, videos this past time when we had pride here was that to be an ally, that means that you're going to step up and you're going to maybe say to your church, I believe this way, you know, if yeah. you're safe enough to do so, but that is a really scary thing to do because right. 
you might lose your church community. You right. might lose a job, you know? And so you do get that pushback in different ways. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, and part of like what we're called to do is we're called to stand up against those injustices and yeah. things like that. But you know, um, that's only something that I feel like I've been hearing recently. You know, it's never, mm-hmm. I've never really heard much in church about mm-hmm. this idea of like, Hey, no, you should use your voice and you should stand <laughs> up against yeah. these injustices mm-hmm. that are taking place because yeah. so often instead we like to kind of sit idly by mm-hmm. and just kind of watch the problem and talk about the problem, but we're not really willing to do anything about the problem mm-hmm. and to use our voice to say something about the problem mm-hmm. or to go and give a hug <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, to that person who has mm-hmm. labeled the problem and yep. tell them that they're loved yep. and they're valued yep. and it's okay. So the journey has begun and yeah. we're still walking it. And yeah. All, I'm every so, day. I'm so grateful that you, you came and we finally were able to get this. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You worked our, our hard on it. Been, you you worked hard on it. You have. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I appreciate you being patient and, um, and being able to just keep trying to get on. And I, I, I thank you for that. Yeah. And I look forward to what we can do to collaborate in the future. I think we've got more to do together and sure. I, I'm excited to see where this goes. So yeah, me too. what would be your final thing that you would like your final thought? <laughs> My benediction. Your, your final thing. <laughs> if you, if you feel like there's something that's left unsaid or your final thoughts um, to our community or to, um, Whatever thoughts come to your mind, what would you like to say to close this out? Oh gosh, I have no idea. Okay, great. <laughs> um, no, I no. We'll I cut mean, this I, part out. <laughs> right? No, no, no. I uh, I talk a lot, so I think to you know to kind of anybody who who's listening to this, whether you're uh, somebody who is in the LGBTQ community or you're an ally or whatever, just mm-hmm. know that you are unconditionally loved by a by by God, a hundred percent no questions about it. Uh, and don't let anybody take that away from you. Mm. Uh, that would be kind of my biggest thing. Um, and then, you know, for, for those of us who can to, to use our voice, to stand up, step out and say it. Beautiful. So thank you so much for coming. Christian. Yeah, you're I, welcome. I really appreciate it so very much. And guys, I, I honor Christian and I honor you for always coming and listening and sharing this podcast and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and links to connect with Christian, go to the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com and check out our Facebook group, Gay With God, where we do a monthly Zoom group entitled My Faith Journey. And if you need support and help with your coming out or faith journey, go to that show page again, scroll all the way down to the bottom and you can see how to connect with me. I'm also doing my ask me anything monthly group for the book, the pod, you know, the, the big memoir. So you get to come and ask me any questions you want about the memoir or just about me. And the next one that we're going to have for that is going to be August 10th at seven o'clock. And you can get all of those links with the, at the gay with God, Facebook group. If you are listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, are not even sure if you're gay, God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And as always, you are loved. Listeners, it's not unusual for a person to begin questioning the faith of their past, especially when they've been abused by the church due to their sexual identity, and Christians have been deconstructing for thousands of years, trying to wrestle with their faith 
and how to best live it out. The problem is it can be a daunting path. So if you were looking to take a journey into your past, get some help from someone who knows what they're doing. The Reverend Father Dr. J. Keith Brown is an affirming Anglican priest with years of formal education, self-study, and practical teaching experience around these very issues. He has put together a deconstruction guide course to help you better understand and wrestle with seven key topics, including Bible, clobber verses, God, atonement, church, Lord's table, and baptism. In this course, Keith will share definitions, historical views, and then provide you with practical journal questions to help you process these important topics for yourself. As a bonus, you will receive a free group membership where you can ask questions, offer opinions, and make friends with other students in the course. And the best part? The affordable low price for this course. Check it out today. Visit the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com and you'll be able to get that link. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.